Welcome to the Genuine Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and subscribe if you like. Let's check into our current topic. All right, guys. We're back again trying to finish some of these things up. And I say finish these things up. I, I think I keep going for days talking about some of this stuff. So um, let's, let's, keep, let's keep on it. I was talking to you about relevance. I was talking to you about how people have to explain things in the day and time that they're living in. Not to dumb it down. It's never dumbing it down. It's to explain from a perspective that somebody can understand who has no knowledge. You cannot explain physics to somebody who doesn't understand math. So I wanted to explain to you a little bit while, while we're going through that the Bible expressly dictates that we must reach out to people in a sense of where they understand. To babes, to new things. In fact, Paul kept repeatedly saying, I'm explaining things as a man and not so much as a, as a leader as in a godly perspective because I'm trying to explain it in a way that you understand, not in a way he understood. Paul was very educated. He was a top Hebrew scholar. He was a top uh, professor, if you will. He'd be like a Harvard Law professor or something like that today, or, or top divinity scholar. And yet he would say things in a way the people way below with no education with basic living styles, people who don't understand morality or ethics or anything like that, he would explain things to those who, to people who would not follow that very well normally. In other words, you do not convince somebody to live holy by trying to indoctrinate them with a higher form of wisdom, okay, or education. You don't say, well, obviously you don't understand physics, so uh, obviously you know basic math on how to count money, so you should understand uh, nuclear physics just fine. No, you don't try to educate somebody who, who barely knows how to count money with nuclear physics. What you try to do is you try to educate them and say, these are some things that will help you to get to a higher level of understanding. And you bridge that gap with knowledge and compassion and patience and, and commitment, conversation. So what I'm trying to tell you is, Getting people to pray, if it's the first time you've met them, if it's and you, you don't discuss who they are, where they've come from, if you just start out and say, do you want to get saved and pray this prayer after me, that's really unethical. There's no relationship there. The only thing you're doing is you're trying to soothe their own conscience and win something under your belt to prove to God, hey, I got one, congratulations to me, and you go about your day. But really, there's no commitment to them there's no help to them the, the, the you have to be willing to teach people and live with people you have to be willing to conversate and and commit to people in certain ways and i find that most people don't want to do that there's really no commitment you just want to live to yourself and live your own life so so there's a selfishness a self-centeredness that really prevents us from doing things well and not doing not not necessarily not doing the right thing because evangelizing people is the right thing to do, but to do it well requires that you are willing to think on other people's levels and think about other people, not just by yourself, and not just think about yourself. Hold on. Sorry about that. I know I just kind of zoomed in on myself. I was just trying to get the battery to go right on my phone. So real quick, it requires you to educate people about you and be educated about them get to know them on where their level of understanding is and then you'll be able to explain jesus at their level if they understand college physics then you can teach probably a college level 
But if they only understand elementary things and they only know how to count pennies and dollars, then teach them pennies and dollars. Jesus did that all the time. He talked about money and finance and farming. Then he talked about scholarly things, but hardly ever do you see him talk about that to regular people. You don't see him because the majority of people that could he could talk to scholarly refused to listen to him. He talked about doctrine and things and confounded teachers and confounded the Pharisees. But when you see him talk to regular people, he gave parables and stories and was lighthearted and gave them illustrations and things that would infuse their mind and get them active. Well, you know, giving doctrine to people today that are just trying to work their job and make their money, you know, they're not spending their time studying doctrines and studying the Bible and studying these things. Well, you, if you're trying to indoctrinate them in that sense, you are irrelevant to their life. You don't matter to them. So their conversion will never be real. Never. It might be imitatedly repeating a prayer or something like that. You know, that's one of the things that Pentecostals and Carrier Medicine churches do is they say, if you pray this prayer after me, you will be saved. And that's not true. It's not true. They have to believe in their heart, not just repeat the prayer. Leading them and guiding them. Now, most people understand this, but leading them and guiding them is helpful. And giving them, because some people don't have words to say, they don't know what to say. And so giving them words to say helps. But really, truthfully, encouraging them to believe for themselves and ask Jesus personally is how you convert somebody. Encouraging them that they can reach out to God themselves, that they're not doing it through you, that by some form of repetitious prayer, that would be paying for it. Do you understand? How can I pay for this Holy Ghost? You don't pay for this Holy Ghost just by repeating after me. Okay, say this after me and you'll be saved. No, that's paying for it. That's that's iniquity. Okay, that's a falsehood. It's a false entitlement. What you're trying to get people to do is to see the facts that they can reach out to Jesus for themselves and he will respond. That in fact, he has already responded that if they take the opportunity to believe that, and no matter what language and what type of language they say, no matter what iteration that they say, if they say, Jesus, whatever, man, I need you, they can get saved saying that. If they just cry out to Jesus, I know people that got radically saved had visitations with Jesus for three weeks in a row. After all, they cried out from a broken heart, crying on the floor, was Jesus. I know people who have gotten saved by saying, if there is a God, would you show yourself to me? And God revealed himself. See, their heart was seeking. The goal is to help encourage their heart to seek him. This The Ethiopian was seeking God, Reading, trying to understand. He had a heart towards God. And Philem helped him see who Jesus was. And then he says, is there anything that can keep me from being baptized? And they said, no. And he said, I will baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then that was apparently enough because he left. After that, the man's heart took over the rest. You, you don't need to just douse people in water. That was, a, that was a practice and it still is a practice that is necessary. But why do we wait until baptism? There are certain denominations that don't consider you saved at all until you baptize with water. Why? Because they want to educate you first, which to me is sometimes a proper method, but is it necessary? Not all the time. I mean, I've seen people who have just asked God, some God, it doesn't even matter which God, would the real God show up in my life? And Jesus always shows up because the devil can't, the devil can't maintain that. I'm not trying to say 
that we shouldn't lead people in a prayer of salvation. What I'm trying to say is that leading people in a prayer of salvation to tick one off on your own basket there and to tick one off of your own list and add it to your to add it to your basket and to, to add one to your list is actually ungodly. Spending the time that it takes to love on people and educate them enough to know that they have a choice and that the offer is there, that the opportunity is there, in whatever language that is, that is vital and important. To say, repeat this prayer after me, Jesus be my Lord and Savior. Most people don't even know what Lord or Savior actually means. They don't understand those two words. So how can it be true when they don't understand what they're saying and they're repeating something, thinking that by repeating something, then they must have done enough to receive. It's not about doing enough to receive. See, that's where the falsehood lies. It's you have to do something in order to receive it. You have to understand the opposite. Jesus already did it. You just have to allow that to work for you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You just have to understand that you can receive what he gave for you and he will help you to it. He will help you do it. He will help you in your life. That's where real evangelism comes from. That's why I have so much influence with, with friends of mine and, and people who still don't even go to church because they've been burned by church, hurt by church, or people who don't even study the Bible or anything. They call me and ask me to pray for them. And, and, and people say, well, you should be mentoring and doctoring. I am. As a friend. As if I had a neighbor who wasn't saved. I invite them to church sometimes. I invite them and stuff. And I have Bible studies and I invite them to that. And sometimes they come. Sometimes I don't invite them to church because there's nothing for them there. Not saying just our church particularly, but there's nothing for them there. They don't have a desire to serve God at that capacity. And the reason that they don't have a desire for that is because they consider themselves fine. Until they have the realization that they are not fine without without Jesus, they will never serve in a church like that at that capacity. And the truth is, is I don't necessarily want them to. Why? Because we have people serving at churches and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's helpful. I think it's important. But it's not a doctrine. I know I'm just throwing you some of the some of the, some of those things. I believe that bishops and elders and all these other people have positions and titles and things that they can do if they want to serve in the church. But I don't necessarily believe that it was supposed to be instituted that we need to have ushers and you should serve and you should serve at this church and you should serve here in this position. This now you you don't love God if you're not serving at church. Really, what that is that's desperate people with their own agenda trying to create a building and a facade of business and create it to be a success and making it look successful by the appearance of people working and serving happily. Was that too fast? You cannot create a culture of love by works. You can only have love and desire to share that through serving others. That's the purpose. But there is such a fine line between the falsehood and the real that to encourage somebody to just step out there because it'll make them feel better or to encourage them that they have to serve in church otherwise they don't really love God, those are two falsehoods. To tell somebody who doesn't know about Jesus, that doesn't like church, that doesn't like all these things, if they have to serve Jesus once they're saved, they need to serve Jesus, otherwise they're not really saved, is also a lie. Okay? Cornelius. Would you like to bring that up? Sure. Cornelius was a man who honored and respected God, but was not a Jew. He was a Roman, as far as I understand. And he 
God wanted him saved, as you can see. He purposely gave a vision. Peter didn't decide to go to Cornelius' house. He was instructed to by God. God heard Cornelius' heart, and he was crying out for a method to get to know God. And he honored that. The man did. Look. Let's get into this. Got Y'all got me going. Okay. This is why nobody can talk to me, probably, in some sense, because I just over-talk everybody. So this is why I'm doing videos. And I'm trying to do this in a method which gives people some understanding on how to be more effective. Remember, the beginning of this is how to be more effective. That's that's what this is about. Oh, Lord. Uh, Peter, 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 Peter. There we go. Watch this. Chapter 10 in Acts. There was a certain man in Caesarea, Caesar, right? Caesarea, which is a Roman place, right? Called Cornelius, a centurion of what it was called the Italian regiment. So he was an Italian guy. Okay, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So he was, he, he was a man who respected God. He wasn't Jewish, but he prayed to God. So the Bible says he, he wasn't a churchgoer, okay? so to speak. He wasn't a churchgoer. He wasn't a Jew because the Jews wouldn't have even allowed him in. Listen, I already know churches like that, that like, if you're not really a member, they don't really, they don't really want you there. They'll allow you there, but they don't consider you part of the family. Anyway, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in saying to him, Cornelius. So God appeared to this guy who wasn't Jewish or Christian. So it makes you think he's not going to help people who aren't saved. Anyway, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for me, uh, come up for a memorial before God. Now send men, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he goes. When the angel spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And he sent them to Joppa. Now Peter's vision continues on, right? And three times a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Because this thing comes down and it shows all four-footed animals, which basically all the stuff that Jews can't touch or eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I haven't ever touched anything unclean. And then God responds, don't call something unclean that I have called clean. This was a person who by church standards would not be accepted in the church as saved yet, as Holy Ghost filled yet, or separated unto God yet. And yet God called him clean. Okay, hold on. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen meant, behold, the men had been uh, from Cornelius had already asked for him. Then he called, and so they lodged there, which was technically not the right thing to do because he was Jewish. Uh, shouldn't have lodged there anyway. Um, okay, continuing on. Um, okay, as Peter was coming in, this is verse 25 in chapter 10 of Acts. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I am so, my, I myself am also a man. Now you have to understand, Cornelius did this because he doesn't understand protocol. He doesn't understand. In his paganism, they worship men. They worship Caesar, who was considered a god. They worship the Caesars before them, and they worship certain people. And they worship certain gods that they desired benefit from. So in his paganism... He was trying to honor Peter as a man of God. And he was doing that, but in the wrong method. So he was had a part, he had a good heart with bad methods. Okay? 
All right? Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Notice he said, I should not call any man common or unclean. What do you think about people? What do you think about people who are different than you? Anyway, I'll keep going. Trying not to overstep my bounds, but this is my podcast, so here we go. Then Peter opened his mouth, in truth I perceive, okay, verse 34, I'm sorry. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. So why do we? Anyway, but in every nation, in every nation, we would say in every church, in every denomination, in every culture, in every state, in every city, in every place, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Do you know what that means? There are going to be people who've never stepped foot in a church, but who have honored God with their hearts and their actions and tried to live right and do right. That will be in heaven. You don't believe me? Read the first three chapters of Romans. We'll go there in a second. Since some of y'all are going to get mad. But in every nation, whoever, no limitations, fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace with God through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Now Cornelius would know what a Lord is because he was subject to lords. Lord is a, is, a, uh, is a ruler over dominion, an authoritative presence over certain peoples. And they would abide under that person. That person had the obligation and, and purpose to protect them. But those people obviously helped and served their, his purpose as well. And that's what Jesus is, is the Lord and a Savior. Savior from what? Obviously sin, but redemption from our eternal death and our separation from God. Sin, Savior from, uh, from disconnection. So he was a healer or a restorer of connection is what Jesus was. The word sin means disconnected from God. The word saved or salvation or sozo, some people say, means restored, redeemed, um, um, purchased from any debts, uh, removal, lack, all these kinds of things. So it's a full restoration, okay? So you are fully restored from disconnection, okay? So that's that's basically... Um, how to, this is a weird probably uh, concept, but you know how you know how your Wi-Fi router can be working really well and it looks like you have full signal, but you actually have no signal because your modem is down. If you don't know what that is, I'm speaking a different language. Well, I'm speaking to people who would understand that, aren't I? Isn't that what I was talking about? You got to speak a language that people understand. Well, some people will not understand this and some people will. Your Wi-Fi router can be sending a wireless signal and it can be full bars and strong, but because there's no internet signal from your modem, you cannot pass information back and forth because it's like having a five-lane highway for plenty of cars, but there are actually no cars to put on the highway. It's empty. So it's purposed, but it's not being used. And that's kind of how people are with Jesus. Like, God is there, it's available, but people aren't using it, and people aren't teaching it, so there's no information passing, so there's nobody getting saved. Anyway... But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. The word you know that which was proclaimed through all Judea. So he's about to start preaching and teaching him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. This is the gospel, by the way. The gospel is not just about the Lord Jesus. We're going to have to continue on the next one. The gospel is not about 
escaping hell. The gospel is about how God so loved us that he sent his son who healed, delivered with Holy Spirit and power, healed, delivered, and set free all who were oppressed by the devil and who loved us, okay? That's the gospel. The gospel is not he saved us from hell. That's a byproduct of the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news to the poor. What do you say? I've come to preach good news to the poor, right? What's good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. I've come to restore you. I've come to help you get out of what you couldn't get out of. I've come to restore you from, uh, to restore your bodies. I've come to restore your minds. I've come to restore your life. And I've come to connect you with God and show you that God loves you so much that he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to help you. And by the way, you will also escape hell because of what I've done. Excuse me, because what of what I've done. That's the gospel. Hell is not the gospel. Okay? Love is the gospel. Alright? Gosh. Watch this. So he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remissions of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they didn't think that they would get all of those things, but he was, honestly, Peter was, Peter was going to stop at remission of sins. He thought that the Holy Spirit was probably still, I imagine he thought that the Holy Spirit was still, just for the Jews, but like remission of sins. Yeah, God can forgive anybody, but this special power is given to the Jews first. And it's true. And even Paul said it's given to the Jews first, but he says, and also the Greeks. So it had to be learned that God's intent was not just for Christians and Jews per se. It was for everybody. And now you have this place where anybody can get saved. So what I'm telling you is, is if you have a hardness of heart against certain people and you think some people are the worst sinners, they're the worst sinners because you're not loving on them and you're not following the steps of Jesus and the steps that he gave his apostles. You have to go out there and reach out to them and give them a reason to believe in a good God. If they don't believe in a good God, it's because you're not representing him well. That may be hard to say. A lot of us are working hard at it. A lot of us are doing this and that. So I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings and that or that's really trying. But what I'm trying to say is, some of the things that we preach, that we're trying to get people saved from hell, that we're trying to uh, talk to them about the divinity and, Cal uh, and Calvary and the resurrection of Christ and all these things, it does not work. It is irrelevant to them. It's not irrelevant to us. It's not irrelevant to this gospel. It's irrelevant to them. You have to find language that will communicate to them and be unbiased against them so that they can freely receive the same gift that you've given. It was the Holy Spirit's desire and God's desire for Cornelius to get saved, not Peter's, not the Jews. They were always willing to stop because something in their heart said, I perceive there's no partiality with God. He respects anybody who respects him. But then he even further proved and said, I guess there is no limitations in front of God because the same Holy Spirit that we received, they just received. And it astonished them. Peter got it first, but the other Jews were still kind of holding back because they were like, you know, we're still Jews and we still got this other thing besides that. And then the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, but watch this. And then shows them, boom, they're equals. There is no difference. So the person you haven't reached out to, the person you've tried to get saved or you're thinking about committing, don't pray with them in some prayer and tick that off as something that you have done. Try to get them to understand 
that they have the freedom to receive Christ because he loves them. Show them the love of God. Show them what he did and why he did it. Preach to them the gospel that Jesus Christ came to free the poor, to help deliver. Show them what they what, what Jesus did. He healed them all. He delivered them all. It, there was no mention of hell. He mentioned eternal life. The goal was eternal life, not freedom from eternal death. That's a byproduct. Do you understand? He wants you to spend life with him, not free yourself from hell. You get free from hell. You escape hell, so to speak. He actually sets you free from it, but that's not the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of getting people saved is, is not to say, oh, you need to escape hell, and if you want to escape hell, you better get saved. That's that's a threat. Jesus didn't come to threaten us. He came to free us. He came to deliver us. He came to open the shackles and say, hey, you're free. And they, you would thank somebody who set you free, right? Oh, wow, you saved me from this place. Yes, I did. And so what would you do in order to honor them? I'm with you. I'm sticking with you. You set me free. I want to know how to do this for other people too. And so kind of like, like a superhero, you go around setting people free with Jesus. And that's the goal. The goal is to set people free by telling them the love that set you free. Not if you don't do this, you're going to hell. That, that's already kind of a known fact. That, that, that's not going to help you reach out to people. People don't care if they're in sin, but what they do need is they need love. And they don't, you don't excuse sin. In fact, that's why you're reaching out to them is because you know that sin cannot be excused. So I'm not excusing sin. You're, you're trying to reach out to them because you know that sin cannot be excused. They don't care what they're doing. You care about what they're doing. So your job is not to go fix what they're doing. Your job is to show them a better way to live and the opportunity to be loved by God and sense that really. And if you don't have that sense of God, well, that's what we need to get to is to get to a place where you sense God's love. So in the next couple podcasts, let's go into that. Talk about God's love. See you in a minute. Hey guys, thanks for hanging with us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, hit that subscribe button and share with someone you know. Follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, and we will catch up with you on the next episode.